I want to welcome you to our worship service again. I want to welcome all those who are watching online. If you're a guest here this morning, we especially want to say thanks for coming. Uh, we've been expecting you, and I just want you to know that immediately following the service, right out in our grand foyer, we have a guest services. I'd love for you to go there. We have a gift for you. We want you to take some information about our church, and if you have a decision to make, if you're looking for a home church, we're asking that you might pray about making Central Community your home church, but welcome. I want to remind all of our, all of our people here that call Central Community your home, I want to remind you about the 10-foot rule and the three-minute rule. One other thing, just quickly before we get into the message, and that is, is that remember, next week we're going to be feeding 70,000 different, or making 70,000 different uh, meals, and so we still need some help. So go back, volunteer, sign up to be the hands and feet of Jesus, okay? Now, as I look around this room here, and I see your faces, and I see your eyes, and I know that there are a lot of you in here who are going through a lot of different stuff. A lot of you, I know the stuff you're going through because you shared it with me. I know that for some of you, it's been an unbelievable diagnosis that you never saw coming. I know there are some of you that have lost loved ones. I know there are some of you that have, have children that have gone astray. I know there are some of you here who, who you're experiencing the empty nest syndrome. I know there's some of you that just life has set in. You never saw it coming. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a breakup in another relationship. But right now, life is really hard. Some of you may have been still, are still going through something that happened several years ago. And it seems like every time you come back into this place, it seems to come up in your mind again. God has a word for you today. And I want you to listen very carefully to what he has to say to you because he starts out by saying this, I love you. When ore is tested to see if it is genuine gold or silver, a refiner will take the oil or the ore and they will, they will put it in fire. They'll pour acid on it. They will pound it and shape it. All of this is done so they can find out if it fact is in, in reality real gold or silver, to find out if it is indeed genuine. You see, if it's not genuine, it's worthless. And that's what happens in our lives. God allows us to go through stuff. He allows us to go through hard times. Why? Because he wants to test and prove that your faith is in fact genuine. Take a look at this. The acid of grief tests the coin of belief. That is so true. Because in these hardships that we go through in life, we have a choice to make. And the choice is, are we going to trust God? Are we going to lean on our own understanding? Or are we going to lean on God? Are we going to become bitter? Or are we going to grow and become better? But that's the purpose for trials. That's the purpose for tests. James says, the knowing that your faith, what? It's that knowing that as we go through these trials, we'll be able to say, yeah, my faith is real. Case in point. One of the things that I wanted to share with you is that many times I have to live the sermon before I preach it. This wasn't a very fun week. And it kind of culminated with something yesterday that was very unusual and out of this world. 
I got a text from an old friend. And the text said, I'm praying for your mom and stepdad as they're in the hospital with coronavirus. I didn't know they were in the hospital. I'm thinking, what? So I make a call to my mom, no answer. I make a call to my stepdad, no answer. So I'm thinking, wow, I got to figure out what's going on. I wonder what hospital they're at. So I called back this friend. I said, I need you to call the church because the information came from there and find out what it is you know. In the meantime, I'm going to keep looking and find out what's going on. Now, I have to admit to you, I'm a little nervous now. But all of a sudden, I remembered what I'm preaching on, and this is what I said. Okay, Lord, if this is, about what, I'm going, if this is what I'm about to go into, this is what I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to focus on my troubles. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on you. I made a phone call to my mom one last time, and she answered the phone. Mom, are you okay? Yeah, sorry I didn't get to the phone. I was just cleaning the floor. You don't have COVID? No. You're not in the hospital? Well, gosh, no, Bob. We're not in the hospital. You know what I found out? There's somebody else in the, in the church that has the name of Joe and Sandy, and their name is very close to that. You know what I said? Thank you, Jesus. In John chapter 6, there's a story. It comes, takes place right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he is on the other side of the lake, and all of the people come to him, and this is what they say to him. Okay, Jesus, you tell us you want us to believe in you. We will believe in you if you will show us a miracle, if you will give us a sign. You know what Jesus said to them? I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. You know what you need to do? You need to take me. You need to take my flesh, and you need to take my flesh, and you need to eat it. Now, the people all looked at each other like, what? We know this guy. His name is Jesus. We watched him grow up in Nazareth. We know his mom. We knew his dad. And you know what happened? A lot of the people walked away from him. They turned and they left him, including some of his disciples. You know why they left him? They said, this is a hard teaching. But the reason they left him was this, because their faith wasn't genuine. Do you remember what Jesus did? Jesus then turned to his 12 apostles and he said, well, what about you? Are you too going to leave me and walk away from me? You remember what Peter said? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. We believe that you are the Holy One sent of God. And dear friends in Christ, when you have gone through your trial, May this be said about you. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from 1 Kings chapter 17, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 16. Here it goes. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread 
only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. You see, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, in the tests of each of our lives, may we learn to lean on you for in you lies our strength. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to begin with something from Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16b, we read these words, he that believeth shall not make haste. Let's say that together, okay? He that believeth shall not make haste. What does that mean? This is what it means. What you do next after you hear God's word determines or will tell the rest of the world what you truly believe in. What you do next after God has spoken to you will tell the rest of us what you truly believe. Our relationship with God has been based on many, many years for some of us in a relationship that is on love. It's God love, it's God showing up. It's God showing us day after day that he is an unfailing God, that you can depend on him and he will not leave your side. And because of that, guess what? When you're going through your trials, when you're going through the stuff of life, we can step into our trials with a God confidence. Why? Because we know our God is over all things. Now, I want to go back to the verse that we ended with last week, and I want to point out something to you. It says, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I want to ask you a question. So Elijah is at the brook. There's no water in the brook anymore. Do you think he complained? Do you think he got anxious? Do you think his praise and his worship was diminished? Do you think that he began to question God? The answer is no. And here's why. Look at this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I want to say that again. You will keep him in perfect peace. Now, my friends, isn't it true when we go through difficulties in life, when we're going through tough times, we want perfect peace, right? That perfect peace is what says to you, I don't care what I'm going through. In the end, I'm going to be okay because God is in charge. You know how you know if you have perfect peace? You're not concerned about your circumstances. And your circumstances don't control you. 
Elijah was in perfect peace. Why? Because he relied on the word of God. God had told him that he was going to provide for him. If God said it, then Elijah believed it. Well, let's go on. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. What's the last word in that verse? It's the word there. It's the key word. From the very beginning, God told Elijah, I will provide for you. I will give you meat and bread in the morning and in the evening, and I will give you something to drink. But you have to stay there. You see, Elijah knows that this is where God has told him, if I stay here in the center of God's word, God is obligated to provide for all my needs. Now watch this. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Now I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm just thinking, Elijah had to be thinking, finally. You know why I say that? because the brook had already dried up. Elijah knew, here comes the raven with the meat, here comes the bread, but there's no water. But I must stay here because God told me if I'm going to get provided for, if he's going to fulfill my needs, I have to be obedient, so I'm staying here. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. My friends, look at this. We have the word of the Lord. So here I want to ask you something. How many of you would like a fresh word from God? Raise your hand. There it is. Get in the word. I am so thankful that I don't have to sit and wait for God to speak to me. He speaks to me each and every day. All I have to do is get in his word. All right, so now. You may think, like I did when I first read the story of Elijah, okay, he's endured the troubles of what's happened at the brook. Now God's going to bless him, and he's going to go on his mighty way. But guess what? Wrong. For Elijah, the test continues. Now I want to just pause here for a moment. I want to make sure you understand this. Elijah starts out at the brook. What's the goal? Mount Carmel right? We know the end of the story. How is God going to get Elijah to be a man who can depend on God's word? He's going to have to live a life where he has to depend on God. The Mount Carmel Elijah isn't yet. He's being developed. So here's what happens. I love this. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So Elijah stayed at the brook of Korath, or of Kareth, till when? Till God came to him and said, now it's time to move on to Zarephath. All right, now I want to show you something here. I think this is so funny. Zarephath means refining. I want to just let that sink in a little bit. So God comes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, you know what I'd like to tell you, but the test isn't quite over with. In fact, I'm sending you to refining. So here's how the test begins. Elijah already has not had water for quite some time because the brook has dried up. Now God says to him, the test continues. You know how the test continues? Elijah has to make a 75-mile hike to Zarephath. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing. It's through the desert. I mean, 
I've got a dry mouth just right now thinking about that. But God says to Elijah, remember, I told you I would provide for you. Now the test continues. I need you to get up and I need you to go to Zarephath. And yes, it's a 75-mile hike. I know it's a long hike. And yes, I know it's through the, through the desert, but I'm going I'm to provide for you. But here's something else that Elijah knew. Now Elijah understands that he is now moving out of the state of Israel and he's moving into a godless land. You see, Zarephath is the very place where Jezebel came from. This is the center of worship for Baals. Remember, God said to Elijah, I want you to hide yourself. I want you to isolate yourself from evil. Now, what God is saying is, you know where you're going to isolate yourself from evil? Right in the heart of Baal worship. Why did he do that? Well, Ahab and Jezebel are looking, and they're combing the country looking for Elijah because they want to kill him. And so where does God hide Elijah? Right under their noses, the last place they would ever expect to find him in Jezebel's hometown. Just let that sink in, what God is asking Elijah to do. But you know what Elijah did? He just did what came next. He remembered what God told him to do, and he was obedient, because obedience guaranteed God's provision. All right, so before we go on, I just remind you of something. What is it that God is using to provide for Elijah? Birds, and now a widow. I want you to think about something. If God calls you to a place, if God sends you to a place, I want you to understand and rest assured and have confidence in this. If God sends you someplace, he'll provide for you. If God sends you to the doctor's office and you get the news that you weren't expecting, God will provide for you. If you've lost a loved one and you're still trying to work your way through it, God will provide for you. If you're not sure which direction you're supposed to go, God will provide for you. Now look at this. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. Now, what is Elijah doing? Once again, he is putting himself, he's placing himself in the center of God's word. He knows he is to be looking for a widow. So here comes this widow, and what's she doing? She's picking up sticks. Now, here's something that I want to ask you, and maybe you know the answer to this. Here's the question. How did Elijah know which widow to go to? Did God say, she's going to be the one wearing the Michael Jordan tennis shoes? Or she's going to be the one that's going to be wearing this stick on her head. Or she's going to be one that's going to be picking up two sticks. Wait till she picks up the second one, then that's the one. No, we don't know, do we? So as I was thinking about this and praying about this, God brought something to my mind. And it's another story. The story takes place in Joshua. 
Joshua is now leading the children of Israel. He comes to the Jordan River. He crosses over the Jordan River. He sets up the stone of remembrance. And now he is going to take, the, he's going to take possession. And remember what the first city was? Jericho. Joshua took two spies and he said to them, I want you to go to Jericho and I want you to spy out the city for us. So these two men went into Jericho and they spied out the city. While they were there, the Bible tells us that the king found out some spies were in the city. What do you think he did? He sent out everybody and anybody to search for these spies. So here are these spies. They are running for their lives. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They just want to get out alive. Here's where we pick up the story. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what where we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land." So she let them down a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. This is the words of Rahab. Remember, Rahab was a prostitute. So I want you to think about this. Here's Pastor Aaron and I. We're the spies, okay? We're hiding, we're looking, we're running as fast as we can. I'm 10 yards ahead of Pastor Aaron. And as soon as I find a place, I go, Aaron, let's hide here. So we hide in a crevice and we're just shaking. We're filled with fear. And all of a sudden we hear a psst. Is that you? No. Is that you? Psst. And we look over and there's a woman and she's going, psst, come over here. So we go over there and guess what? It's a woman by the name of Rahab. She takes us into her house. She tells us, I'll put you upstairs. I'll cover you up. I'll tell them that you're, not, that you're not here. I'll set them on a wild goose chase, and then you guys can go out, but you got to protect us. Now, here's what I want you to know, and please don't miss this point. How did those spies know that Rahab was going to save them? You know what the answer is? They didn't. They didn't. But you know what we learn from this story? Is this God will provide. The world would say, oh, it was just a coincidence that you just happened to run into Rahab. No, this was planned by God since the beginning of time. And the same is true with what you're going through right now. There are times when you may not know what to do. I don't know which doctor I should choose. I don't know which hospital I'm supposed to go. I don't know which funeral home I'm supposed to use. I don't know which counselor I'm supposed to You will not know what to do. You know what you do? You do what comes next. Why? Because God doesn't work with parked cars but he works with people who are moving to be in the center of his will. And as you do that, listen to this, God will provide. That's the confidence. That's the assurance you need to know. There's going to be a time when you're not going to figure it out. But so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you go through your problems, look for the breadcrumbs. Look for those little pieces that God leaves for you that says, you are right on the path. And they'll show up. I promise you that. Let's go on. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. 
I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die, okay? This is the reality of the situation. This is what the woman knows. And what God just did, God just revealed to Elijah, this is how I'm going to provide for you. I mean, really? I mean, if I'm Elijah, I'm looking for a wealthy widow. I'm thinking there's some lady, her husband died and left her millions of dollars. That's what I'm looking for. Or at least her daddy was wealthy. But God says, this is what I'm going to use to provide for you. And listen to me very carefully. Faith never focuses on the circumstances. And I know it's hard. It's hard not to focus on the problem, especially when it's overwhelming. But faith doesn't focus on the circumstances. Faith sees God, and faith knows little in the hands of God is much. And so for those of you going through stuff right now, I just have to ask you, what are you seeing? What are you looking at? Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Did you hear that? We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That's the promise of God for all of us. We need to take that promise and we need to say it over and over again. We need to memorize, God is my refuge and strength. What does it mean that God is my refuge and strength? I don't know, Lord, but you better tell me. If it's on my refuge, then there's a place that I can go. If it's my strength, I must not have the strength, so I'm looking to you. And as you do that, God will show up. And what's the result? Perfect peace. Now, there is a problem. We know where Elijah's eyes are, but the widow, her eyes are fixed on a handful of flour and an almost empty jar of oil. That's what she's looking at. Look at what the verse says. I want you to understand this. Unbelief and death are closely related. Unbelief and death are closely related. They're bedfellows. Unbelief results in death, and death comes because of unbelief. We're not talking about just the physical. We're talking about the spiritual here. My friends, this is the life of the unbeliever. There is no hope. This widow had no hope. Her circumstances were drowning her. She even said to Elijah, I'm going to make one last meal, and then my son and I are going to die. She knows that she is hopeless. Have you ever met somebody who's hopeless? I see it almost all the time when I do a funeral, and I know the rest of the staff is too, and I want to tell you, it is horrible. It is ugly when people don't know who Jesus is and they don't know that the separation is only for a little while. You guys go to school with many of those people. You guys work with many of those people. When you're in the hospital, when you're going to the doctor, you're surrounded by people who have no hope. You see, her eyes are on what's right in front of her. And you know what we need to remember and we need to help them with? 
we need to help them to understand is that we never focus on the circumstances. We focus on the God who is sovereign over the circumstances. That's a big difference. Here we go. Almost done. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make myself a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then we will die. All right, here's the reality of the situation. The woman is focused on only what she sees. But now Elijah comes in. Now this is what I want you to understand. This is where you come in. This is where I come in. It's God's representatives. It's us who come and offer hope. And it's not about what you say. It's about the way you live your life. And now Elijah comes into the scene, and he now represents hope. But don't you want to ask the question, why is God so hard on this poor widow? Do you remember what this widow said? She made the statement, Elijah, as surely as the Lord your God, what? Lives. She had heard about God. His reputation had already gone beyond the borders of Israel. She knew about this God of Israel, but she believed that he was the God of Israel, and she was right. But see, her belief was in the gods of Baal, and those people believed that their gods were held back by borders. What is God doing? God, through Elijah, now offers the Gentile woman an opportunity for her to become a child of the God of Israel. Now, here's the question. What did she have to do to become a child of God of Israel? Same thing you and I have to do. She had to demonstrate faith. No one comes to the Father except the Father draws them. How do we receive Jesus Christ? It's by faith that we receive him, right? What did this woman have to do to demonstrate her faith? Believe that God would give her the oil and the, and the, and the flour each and every day. And remember this, faith without works is dead. One last thing. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now here's what I want you to know. Elijah, like you and I maybe would have thought that God's gonna provide a barrel of oil, but that's not God's style. You know what God did in the wilderness? He provided manna only for the day. And what does he do here again? He only provides oil and flour for the day. What's God doing? Here's what God is doing. And this is the question he asks us. Are you more interested in the blessing or the blessor? You see, when you have to depend on God each and every day, you don't worry about the blessing. You want the blesser because when you have the blesser, you have everything. 
So my dear friends in Christ, here's my challenge for you. I want you to write down these three promises that I want you to chew on all week long. Here's the first one. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Just write down Matthew 6, 33. Chew on it. Say it over and over again. Write it again. Ask God, God, what are you saying here? What do you mean from here? And watch what happens. Here's the second one. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him, what does it say? Lack nothing. If you're lacking, then claim this promise to God. Say it over and over again. Repeat it. Memorize. Ask God, what does he mean by this? And watch what he shows you. And here's the last one. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. The more we take the promises of God and set them before us, the more real they become. All right, now, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you are in your problem. I don't know where you are in this trial. Could be in the beginning, you could be in the middle, you may be coming out of one, but we're all gonna continue to go through them. And God is just simply saying to you, are you gonna trust and focus on the circumstance? Or are you gonna keep your eyes on me no matter what you see? because I am the God over this circumstance. Let's bow our heads in prayer.